Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. Coming to you live from the Summerton Community College of Summerton, Philadelphia. Continuing with Derek Hashem on a beautiful, beautiful, lovely, really lovely Wednesday morning in such lovely company. Mizeicha to have our, our uh, regular crowd over here, a few guests, and a few regulars who are here as guests this morning. Um, everyone who's here this morning is also dear to uh, my heart on a personal level, so... Uh, it's, it's a rarity. This morning we have three Kayhanim here live. We have Arthur Hakain and we have Yitzchak Hakain and his father of Moshe Hakain. And um, there must be something very auspicious about that, right? Having three Kayhanim and one share. You, you're not a kind Jack. No, not yet. Not yet. Do we have a fountain? Three coins in a fountain. Three coins in a fountain. Hmm. No, I don't think so. We have a Keurig machine. But, uh, okay, so it should be a lovely, wonderful day for all of us. Let's continue here with Derek Hashem. And we're in Perik Dal, Chelek Dal, Simon Base. We finally made it to Base. It took us like an entire week to uh, make our way through Simon Aleph, through the first paragraph. But Baruch Hashem was a good week, and it was a week of a lot of exploration and analysis, what the Ramchal was doing with Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkin Hashem Echad, what we're saying, what we're testifying to. Um, we're not going to get back into that. That was the first five segments of um, the Shi'urim on this parak, the parak of Shema. Now we're going to move on to Simon Bey's, Ois Bey's paragraph, Bey's over here. The second paragraph is going to give us yet another layer of kavana of what we're doing when we say Shema. And even, and this is not, it's not going to end with this either. We see this is rather, a, a rather lengthy parak. Uh, there's a lot going on in Shema. For six, six words, and six short words, not six long words, plus maybe another six of Baruch Shem, there's quite a lot of activity seething beneath the surface of intentions and kavanas and activities that's going on when we say Shema. So here we go to the next aspect of Shema. And that's Malchus. The Malchus of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the kingship. So we were talking yesterday about, and, and the last five yesterdays, about <clears throat> the statements of Hashem's oneness. So just like we should keep things organized in our minds with, with bullet points over here. The first discussion of Shema, the first topic and the first angle was Echod was Yichud Habayrei, unifying Hashem, making Hashem one and only one, and that comes from starting with the diversity, the complexity of this world, everything that exists with their existence, with their effects, power and presence, and all that is really just an extension of Hashem Himself, and why it's there and why there has to be evil, how it all gets unified under the umbrella of Hashem Elkin Hashem Echod. That's the first topic in Shema, is Yichud Habayrei, the Echod. The second is Malchus, the kingship of Hashem, Hashem being a Melech. And we're, we're going to see, interestingly, the same way under Yichud HaBayrei, Hashem being one and only one, there were three aspects of Hashem being one and only one. The fact that Hashem, all presence, all existence is Hashem, all power is Hashem, and the direction is Hashem's direction. Remember, there were three aspects that we saw the Ramchal through in an extra one that the Nefesh HaChaim, the Ramchal Belajan we mentioned, does not mention. He has three aspects of Hashem's oneness. There's going to be three aspects. If we read this paragraph carefully, I believe we will find three aspects of the kavana of Hashem's malchus also emerging. Three aspects of what it means that Hashem is the king. What it means to make Hashem the king. So without further ado, let's let's dive right in. Another aspect that we have to recognize that's going on in Shema. Is ki abayrei's baruch shemay hinei hu melech al kol beri oisav. Hashem is the melech, is the king over all of creation. Hashem is the king. And we know that Hashem melech, Hashem malach, Hashem yimloch lo oilam vod. 
Hashem yimloich lo'aylam va'ed. You say this all over the place. Hashem is the melech. Ki l'Hashem ha-melucha. Hashem has the melucha, the kingship. Hashem is the king. That's also going on when we say Shema, proclaiming Hashem is the king. But what does that mean to make Hashem the king, to proclaim Hashem the king? What does that mean? And what should we be having in mind as a result? Remember, this whole parak has to be taken very practically. We have to be using all the lessons in this paragraph, in this parak to really enrich and enhance our Shema that we're saying, that we're saying twice a day. We want our Shema to be a different Shema when we finish, you know, every morning. Uh, learning the Ramchal over here. We want this to go right back into our Shema. So we have a lot to have in mind. We're saying Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. What about the Malchus? What does it mean that Hashem is the Melech? What does it mean to make Hashem the Melech? Let's follow along very carefully to see just how many points the Ramchal makes over here and how to put them together. The core essence of Hashem's existence is that Hashem is someone, is an entity that is independent of everything in creation, does not depend on anything. This takes us back to the beginning of the Sefer. Has no dependent relationship with anything. Hashem is not dependent on anything for His existence and Hashem is not in an ongoing way dependent on anything for maintaining His existence or maintaining anything. Hashem doesn't consult with anyone, doesn't need to consult with anyone, and doesn't need support, help, or assistance from anyone. Not, not, not on an exist, existential level, and not in a in a management level, managerial level. As we've mentioned in the beginning of the saber, and it came up a few more times since then, Hashem is in existence which necessarily has to exist. Hashem cannot not exist, and Hashem is not dependent on anything else for his existence and cannot be dependent on anything else for his existence. For Hashem to be dependent on anything would be a flaw in Hashem, would make Hashem not Hashem anymore. To Hashem, for Hashem to have the ability to not exist would mean that Hashem is not Hashem anymore. Right? Hashem cannot not exist. And that's not a flaw, that's a, that's a mila, that's a, that's an advantage, that's a accolade that Hashem has in his, his existence. He is so perfect, so flawless that he cannot not exist. To have the ability to not exist is a flaw. Right? Good? Okay. The Rebbeim has no intrinsic relationship. It means a dependent relationship. It means a, a necessary relationship with anything above or below. He has no necessary relationship. Now, that, that sort of throws us into a spin over here. Hashem has no necessary relationship with anything above or below him. Doesn't Hashem have a relationship with us? So again, the key word over here is a necessary relationship. Hashem has no necessary relationship. Pirish. Hashem has no necessary, intrinsic, inherent relationship with anything that creates a dependency. Not coming from above Hashem, that Hashem is dependent on a preceding factor for his existence and not as an associative factor on a managerial associative level Hashem has no necessary existence uh, the relationship with anything that precedes him or anything that accompanies him meaning meaning although of course we believe in that we're going to get to this in a moment actually we do believe that the, that the, the Hashem has a relationship with each and every one of us right we certainly believe that but Hashem doesn't need to have a relationship with us Hashem is Hashem even if He doesn't have a relationship with us. Hashem is the same Hashem even if He never created us. Hashem is the same Hashem before, during, and after us. Okay, everybody got that? This again, this harks back all the way to the beginning of the Sefer where we explored this. The Ramchal's opening parak was all about this. 
But the, the duality that has to be grasped over here is although certainly Hashem has a relationship with us and the way we speak of it is Hashem wants to have a relationship with us. But Hashem didn't create us because He needs to have a relationship with us. Everyone hear the difference? Mm-hmm. Hashem was the same Hashem before He made the Bria as He is after He made the Bria. He wasn't lonely. And He wasn't longing for a, a, a world around Him. He wasn't longing for the un- universe. He, he doesn't get anything out of the universe and He's not filling a need by creating the universe. Hashem doesn't need the universe. And if Hashem needed the universe, and Hashem was filling a need, if we could use the term, let's say, lonely by Hashem, that means Hashem is dependent on the universe. Means Hashem needed to create the universe. It's not true. Hashem is the same Rebbein before, during, and after. Doesn't need the universe. Isn't needing a relationship. Isn't lonely. Doesn't need to have people to give to people. So then, of course, the, the question that, that always inevitably leads us to is, so why did Hashem make a universe? Hashem doesn't need it. Hashem is not dependent on the universe. Hashem is not lonely. Hashem is the same Hashem. Hashem didn't change before the universe and after the universe, before the Bria and after the Bria. Not that Hashem made the Bria. Oh, now Baruch Hashem, I finally have fulfillment. I finally have company. I finally have Yidin that, that I can spend time with. No, there was none of that. Hashem was, it, it was, is unchanged. Hashem has to be unchanged. Because if Hashem wouldn't be unchanged, Hashem would be dependent on the Bria. So why did Hashem make a universe? Let's just throw it out there, you know, for old times' sake. For the chibas hakushia, let's throw it out just for out of the. If this is such a question we're so fond of, why did therefore the rebbeinu make a universe if he has nothing from it? He's not dependent on it. He doesn't change. He doesn't get anything out of it. Why did he create a universe? Why did he create a bria? Why? Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Doesn't make any sense. Just making a lot of noise, right? A lot of problems. We make a lot of problems. Runoff in Georgia. Look how many problems you know the universe presents itself with. Um, so why did Hashem make a universe? Okay, maybe we shouldn't be getting so political here. But but why 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 why? What's the answer? What? You don't know. Nobody knows. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. That's the answer. What does that mean, Ratzon? What does that mean? What does that mean? Just look kind of. Reason. Ratzon means means will. No, I'm saying in English it sounds like reason. Okay. So what's your? We don't know. Is that your final answer? Yes. And that's the only answer. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what prompted Hashem to create interfaces and structures and midos and kaychas and whatever you want to call them, going into the Bria. All we know is from the point of Ratzon and An, what emerges us, so now we see Hashem reveals Himself as someone who loves us and cares about us. But that's only after Hashem starts to make us. Before Hashem creates a Bria, there's nothing to love. Hashem doesn't need to make a Bria to love a Bria. He's very different than us. This is where Hashem differs from us. If you have parents, parents without a child, they feel incomplete. They need a child to be complete. Hashem is not like that. Hashem is not like that. Hashem doesn't need Klaistro to be complete. Hashem is complete before He made the breeze. So why did He decide to relate to us as a parent to a child and want a relationship with us? Why did He decide to make that shift? We don't know, and we'll never know. Nobody knows. Even the biggest Kabbalists. Um, this is one of the... Why did he make angels? He made angels because angels are a necessary part of the universe, That in making the universe that he can have Kleiser within, so that angels are a necessary part. Angels are only here because we're here. Yeah, angels were created before we were created, but on the other hand, our souls were created before the angels were created. Angels are only here because for a fully functioning universe, 
to function fully, you have to have angels there also. But, but, he, but he didn't have to make a, a world. That's right, he didn't have to so make he a world. He didn't have to make angels. That's right, he didn't have to. So why did he? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Someone wants to go weiter over here. He's heard this already a few times. Good, but 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 if there's one thing we're going to pack it, and this is one of the one of the um, you know one of the I wouldn't say it, one, is it one of the hidden truths. I don't know. Maybe not so, one of the not so well known. We're not trying to hide this. Fakir, it's a mitzvah to advertise this. Mitzvah to share this with people. One of the lesser known truths of Judaism is there. There is an ultimate question that we can't answer because we can only answer questions that are within our framework of our existence. Our existence only begins with Hashem relating to a world that He loves. So that's where we begin. That's what we can understand. That's what we can comprehend. Before that moment, before Hashem decides that He wants to make a universe and love the universe and give to the universe, is Hashem before that, that's before us, we, we can't understand that. We have no frame of reference for that. We have no existence there. It's totally out of our comprehension. So therefore, it's, it's, it's inherently unanswerable. What was, what, what was going into that shift with Hashem, without a Bria, to Hashem, you know, let's make a Bria. We don't know. We'll never know. But, but we do know, and, and that's why the Ramchal is saying that Hashem has no necessary relationship with us. That's what the Ramchal means. That although we do see a God that interacts with us, but God doesn't have to interact with us to be God. He doesn't have to have a relationship with us to be God. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Um, okay, let's go on. Behine. Bebechina zois nikra'eu b'shem eloika baruchu. When we're talking about the Rebbeinu Shalolam in terms of someone who is in, independent from everything in, in the in creation and has no in, in dependency, no inherent relationships that need to be maintained, we refer to that as Eloika Baruchu, the Supreme God, blessed be He, the Supreme above everything. Again, the one existence that is... Um, the one and only existence that is a necessary existence and is independent of everything else. That's the Rebbein Shalom, independent of the Bria, not needing anything within creation. Good. So that's the starting point. Hashem is a loika baruchu. Hashem at his essential level. Hashem, as he really is, as it were, is an entity that doesn't need anything. Doesn't need any of us, doesn't need a Bria, doesn't need to make a Bria, and didn't change on an essential level after he made the Bria. However, now we come all the way down to us. Lamaisa. Hashem did make a Brio. And Hashem did make a universe. And He did make us. That brings us to Shema. The Amna. The Being that the facts are that Hashem was Ratzah. Here we have Yitzchak Akkad's word. Ratzah. And Hashem did have a Ratzah. At some point, at some point there was a Ratzah. There was a will that did arise at some point. It's not a necessary will, but it was a will that emerged from Hashem at a certain point. A will to have a universe, a will to have uh, 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 creations, a will to give. Ubar and Nevroim, and Hashem created creations. And Hashem created a very complex, very diverse creation where everything in existence and all of its diversities is dependent on Hashem. Now we call Hashem Adoin Kol. There's Eloika Baruchu and there's Adoin. There's Eloika and Adoin. Eloika and Adoin. I know someone here is busy as we read all this making computations. 
and keeping track of all the numerical values of all this. There's a loika, a baruchu, and adoin. So two different titles for Hashem that represent two different, two different reference points that represent two different um, relationships, two two different um, operating modes, so to speak. Two different understandings of Hashem. Eloika is Hashem above the Bria, not needing anything. Adoin is the way we refer to Hashem. Adon literally means the master, the master of creation. It means Hashem vis-a-vis the Bria. Hashem vis-a-vis the universe. Hashem as he wants to be involved in the universe. Now he's the Adoin. Because Hashem did create the universe, he does want to be involved in the universe. He does want to have um, <clears throat> a Bria. Everything comes from the Rebbein Shalom. Everything that's in, in, in creation that Hashem willed and saw fit to create. Everything comes from Hashem. Everything emerges from Hashem. Everything is dependent on Hashem. And Hashem is the supreme authority over everything. So the Odoin Hakol. Odoin represents, again, that now that there's something outside of Hashem, that's the universe. Eloika is Hashem is above everything. Hashem doesn't need the universe. There's no universe even when we talk about Eloika. Adoin is Hashem as a master. For there to be a master, there has to be two things. A, there's something outside of Hashem, that's the universe. And B, Hashem is the total authority, supreme authority over that universe. That's what Adoin represents, okay? Those two aspects. Everybody got that? There is a universe and Hashem is the to- supreme authority over that universe. Ulam. So now that we've built that up, let's take that a step further. There's Hashem as an Eloika and Hashem as the Adoin. Now, what does it mean that Hashem is the Adoin, which means, again, these two aspects, A, there's a Bria, a finite existence outside Hashem, and B, Hashem retains supreme authority over that Bria. Hashem also wanted, through His goodness and His kindness, Hashem wants, in spite of the fact that He's so supreme, in spite of the fact that He's so lofty, in spite of the fact that he is infinite, and he's an infinite, independent, perfect entity that's above everything that's finite and flawed. Nevertheless, or before the nevertheless, that creates a tremendous, a tremendous gap between Hashem and us. A tremendous differential, a, a huge gulf that separates Hashem and everything that's not Hashem. Hashem is perfect, flawless, complete, supreme, independent, total authority over everything, and everything else is the opposite, is the opposites, is dependent and flawed. As far as possible from the existence of Hashem. So Hashem is the Adon, supreme authority over everything, but there is a, now that there is an existence outside of Hashem, and that existence is so distant from Hashem, there is a tremendous gulf that theoretically separates us from Hashem. And the Rebbeinu Shalaylam, part of his Ratzon was, part of his will and his desire in creating the world was, to bridge that gap. To bridge that gap. To have a connection with everything in creation, nevertheless. In spite of the gulf, in spite of that vast... You know, we're not talking about a differential, obviously, quantitatively, it's qualitatively. In spite of that vast, huge qualitative gulf, that the incomprehensible gulf that separates us from God, God wants to bridge that and, and, and trans, transcend that nevertheless. Um, 
and have a relationship with us. One would think that it's impossible. That Hashem has created us and Hashem is governing the world and, you know, set up like this big board, you know, for us to move around on this big game board and we make the right moves and go to the right squares and go up the ladders and not down the chutes. We'll get to the end of the board and we'll go to the great candy castle. So, you know, it would seem that that's the way the world will have to work. That Hashem is kind of set up the board and Hashem is observing it from a great distance because in a Hakan Hashem, Hashem can't get involved over here. Hashem can't have a direct relationship because it's too much separating us. No, the Rebbe wants to maintain and have an active, direct relationship with everything that's in creation in spite of this gulf. So in spite, as opposed to like the, the game board model, the Candyland model, Rebbe wants to have a, diff- a very, very different model that of a, a child to a parent, a parent to a child, the football coach to the team, right? The football coach doesn't just give everyone the playbook and and assign the the positions and say, okay, you know, call me when the season is over. I'm going to be following you guys on uh, you know on Twitter and uh, have a, have a, you know do well, have a good season. You know, that's Lacharaba. That's not a coach. Um, a, a coach is there with the team, running in play by play. And, and, and boosting morale and relating to everyone on the same. So that's what the Rebbeinshim wants. And that's, he inserts this into the Bria in spite of the fact that it would seem to be insurmountable. The Rebbeinshim creates this relationship nevertheless. Let's see. Even though there's no, again, inherent necessary relationship, there's nothing requiring Hashem to have this relationship with us. Hashem doesn't have to be that football coach because Hashem, the football coach has to be that coach, right? What happens if the football coach is not a good coach? What if he's, he doesn't, he fired, he fired that, that's right, he gets fired, that's right. And they don't wait too long, not a lot of room for Achimonis out there. The football coach has to have a relationship, the relationship doesn't have to be the football coach, it doesn't have to be the parents. Nevertheless, listen carefully. Here we have the first clue as to how this is going to be grounded in, in Arashaman and come back into Arashaman. Hashem wants to be a melech to a, to, to a, an am. He wants to be a king to a nation. Hashem wants to be an active king to the nation. Again, that's, that's the imagery of a, of a football coach to a team. The same kind of thing. A, a melech, a king to a nation, means I lead the nation. I'm the, I'm the head. I'm, I am the authority, yes, I'm in charge, like the coach is in charge of the team, sure, they can't challenge the coach, they can fire him, but as long as he's the coach, he's the coach, and they have to listen, he's going to be in charge. Ulamanaga Melech is also the, 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 the director, the leader, he gives instructions. A third property that a king has is that um, not only he is seen he's accepted as, as the 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 highest in terms of the hierarchy he is the one that's in charge of giving directions but he is also someone ultimately who takes pride in his nation he takes pride he gets nachas a melech is someone that has a relationship with his i'm a king when we use the term king he has a relationship with his countryside with his with his with his subjects and he takes responsibility for them he, ha- he has an interest in them, he leads them, he guides them, and he gets pride from them. He gets nachas, he takes pride in them. That's exactly Hashem to us. Hashem takes pride in us. Hashem gets nachas from us. And that's what a melech is. in Shenemar, as the Pazik says, B'roiv am hadras melech, that when the nation all does something en masse, we do something together as a nation, 
we do the right thing, have just melech that glorifies the king. This this idea is always used by the Gemara to uh, to create a halachic um, a halachic teaching that the more the merrier. Like if you can have a hundred people all together in shul, that 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 is a, a much richer way of diving to Hashem than having fifty or twenty or ten. The more people that do get together to do something all together, it's more glory for the king. So that, that's how it's taken halachically. But the way the Ramchal is taking this hashkafically over here is that Hashem takes pride in us. Hashem gets nachas from us. And that's the relationship that Hashem wants. That was, he doesn't need to have that relationship. He doesn't, he's not lacking anything if he wouldn't have that relationship where he wants to get nachas and take pride in us. But that's the relationship that he wills to have anyway. He wants to have that relationship where he gets nachas from us and he takes pride in us. <clears throat> um, and that's ultimately the definition of a melech. We know, just to step sideways for a moment, we know that in Lashon HaKadosh there are two different terms that are used for a ruler. There's melech, and what's the other one? Moishel, the Moishel. Mm. A melech is a king, a Moishel, a dictator, a ruler, a dictator, um, an authoritarian a tyrant, all of the above. A Moishel, a Moishel is someone who also rules, also exerts authority, but for himself, not for the nation. They're there for him. They're there for him. So he's not getting nachas from them. It's not about, oh, I'm so proud of my nation. Look, this beautiful nation that I produced. I'm so proud. Let me show them off. Look at their gross national product. Look at all these farmers I have. Look at all these technicians I have. Look at all these... Look at all these um, uh, doctors and physicians and 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 people who who um, who, uh, who make my country such a beautiful, vibrant, and active place. That's a melech. The Moshel is looking at at the coffers. The Moshel is looking at, at at the numbers. The Moshel is looking at how powerful he is and how wealthy he is, and everything. Everyone that's in his country, all of his subjects, are there. To promote him, he does. There's no relationship. There's no interest in them. He doesn't get nachas from them. They're there for him. That's the moishel. He doesn't want a relationship with them. The less he has to do with them, the better. Just you know, keep keep making me wealthy and and um, protect my borders, my borders, my wealth. The melech it's the other way around. The melech is there for the nation. Melech is there. To, to govern the nation properly, but because he has the best interests of the nation in mind. He's there for them. He wants to see his nation succeed. And when they do succeed, since he was there for them the whole time, he, he takes pride in it. He gets nachas. He gets nachas from them. He gets nachas. That's the difference between a melech and a moishel. And Hashem wants to be a melech over us. Not a moishel. It's interesting, the Pasuk says, Ki Hashem HaMalucha, Umayshel Ba'goyim, the Pasuk says. We see that Hashem has the Malucha, for us Hashem is a Melech, but when it comes to the Goyim, Hashem is a Mayshel. Um By the Goyim, Hashem is indeed referred to as a Mayshel, because there's a difference between Hashem relates to us and Hashem relates to Goyim. <laughs> Well, let's talk about Melech and Moshel first. Um, so, for Klai Yisrael Hashem is the Melech, and that means it satisfies everything the Ramchal just told us. 
Um, Hashem is is a, the Melech over Klai Yisrael. When it comes to Goyim, Hashem's relationship with them is a Moshal, Taka, the, the dictator. But what does that mean? Hashem is not a ruthless dictator. Hashem isn't someone that needs to make himself wealthy. What does it mean that Hashem is a Moshal when it comes to the Goyim, but a Melech when it comes to the Yin? It means this exact idea that there is a center stage in the universe. That center stage is occupied by Klai Yisrael. The world is really here, Bishvil Yisrael Shanikru Ureshis is what created for Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael is the group of people that Hashem is interested in and has a relationship with him, with and takes pride in and gets nachas from. And, and primarily, that's the nation that Hashem has that personal relationship with. The Goyim, Hashem doesn't have a personal relationship with Goyim. And Hashem didn't create Goyim to get nachas from them. Goyim are there to maintain world order, let's say. Goyim are there to, to help out Klai Yisrael, to facilitate Klai Yisrael's journey. Any guy certainly has the option of becoming Jewish and certainly joining the fold, joining the the uh, the subjects of Hashem's melucha. But when we say, when the Pasuk tells us that Hashem is a moishal to Goyim, it doesn't mean Hashem is mean to them. It doesn't mean Hashem is a dictator to them. It just means that the world wasn't created for Goyim. Hashem, his relationship is their bicker to be with Klai Yisrael. Hashem gets nachas from Klai Yisrael's actions. Hashem takes pride in Klai Yisrael. And yes, we have to, you know, this is not about being politically correct or being politically incorrect. It's just about knowing the MS. The MS is that the world is created for Klaisel. And Hashem is the Melch for Klaisel, for the Goyim, who are there as, as, as having a, having a, um, a secondary job in the Brit to Klaisel. Hashem has the relationship of a Moishel over there. Okay, everybody understand that? But the Melch means, now the Melch means Hashem, in his authority, in his supreme authority, he wants to overcome, bridge that gap nevertheless. He wants to have a relationship with us. And he wants to relate to us. He bridges that gap like a real king that is really interested in his subjects and is there to, to take responsibility for his subjects. Is there to look at for the welfare of his subjects. And it's all about his subjects, not about himself. A melech, not a moishel. He takes pride, gets nachas. That's Hashem to us as well. Um... So that's the first idea in the Malchus of Hashem, is that Hashem wants to have a relationship with us. And that's what Melech means, just on its own. Melech means Hashem, you want, you long to have a relationship with me. And you, 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 you are waiting to see me do the right thing, you're rooting for me, and you take pride in me, and you get nachas from me. And it's about me, not about you. That's the first idea. We'll, we'll um, stop over because there are two more ideas that he's going to throw in over here. Um, I just want to wrap this up by saying that you know, so much of understanding our relationship with Hashem ties into us having relationship, our relationship with, with children, from parents to children, and children to parents. And you can have parents who have the melech relationship with their children, you can have parents who have the moishel relationship with their children. And it's such a, you know, a frightening, sobering insight that Ramchal gives us when he holds up this mirror. You know, ultimately the question every parent has to ask himself is, you know, parents do feel good when their children are accomplished. Certainly. But why do we feel good? Because we're a melech or because we're a moishel? Do we feel good because I'm here for my kid and I get nachas from him. I take pride in his accomplishments because I'm here for him. I'm giving everything I have to see my kid's success. Or is it the other way around? I feel like I'm promoted when I can boast and brag about what my kid did. It makes me feel better. It makes me feel stronger. It makes me feel more accomplished. If it's about the me then it's not really me getting nachas from my children, taking pride in them, and putting everything that I am into them, 
and promoting them. It's about that they're being there to promote me. It's a scary thing, but, you know, we can sometimes drift one way, sometimes drift the other way. But a real true parent is the parent who's a melech, who, who, who's there to put themselves into their child, who really just wants to see their child's success for their child's success, not because it makes him a better person. It makes him feel better about himself, giving him bragging rights or boasting rights. Oh, let me tell you about my kids. This kid's a lawyer. This kid's a doctor. This kid's a this. This kid's a that. And the other, my, this one kid, he made, you know, made millions and millions of dollars on, on, uh, on, um, e-commerce, right? If I'm saying that because it makes me feel really good, like, look what I produced. That's a moishal. That's a moishal. But if I'm saying, well, I'm so proud of my kids. Look what he made of himself. That's a melech. That's a melech. And the, the the defining line over here is really what happens when, you know, a person has to deal with sometimes with kids that, that are currently not being matzliach, a kid who's struggling. Do I have to try to hide that from society? Or am I there to back my kid up? Am I there to give him everything he needs when he's chas struggling? If I have to hide that from society, there's something, unfortunately, parents have to deal with this. You know, no parent should ever have to deal with that. But it happens, you know. It's not something that's unknown where a parent has to deal with a child who's struggling, with his identity struggling, with the way he fits into Yiddishkeit. If that's something I feel I have to hide from society, I'm clearly a moishal. Everybody understand? I'm a moishal because I have to hide that. But if I don't have to hide that, I'm there to take care of my kids, be with my kids through thick and thin when he struggles to be at his side. I'm a melech and not a moishal. It's all about my child, okay? That's, you know, like we would say... Uh, a Dover Noisef over here, but very, very important um, corollary that comes out of today's program. And Mr. Shim, we will continue tomorrow and, and try to wrap up base. Everyone should be well. Thank you all for joining.